This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. So, Billy, I'm going to give you the option of how we start this show. Should we start with some feel-good videos, audio? Um, I hate you. Or should we start with, we got a special message this week from, <laughs> from, a, from a lovely listener uh, who's a big fan of at least one of ours. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so we can either start with this phone message we received, or we can uh, get into a couple. We got a couple feel-good videos. We want to do both. Is it, We're is it do Pope both. Francis? Is it Pope Francis calling the church boys? No, 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 it's not. No, uh, not he's not nearly as holy as the person who called the church boys. Not well, I was just going to say I was disappointed. He made a, he made a surprise <laughs> stop to the Little Sisters of the Poor. I was hoping he might uh, call us. So, oh, it has been Pope Week. Or did you want to start with Pope Week? We can do I'd Pope Week. Not. And we can do. <laughs> why don't Why don't we? Why don't we let's start warm up. Phone call. Okay, let's start warm up. We'll get. We'll warm up into Pope Week, uh, because Billy's been immersed in in Pope. I'm all poked out. I'm pooped in, and poked out. In papery. Uh, so so you want to go with you want to go with the phone call first then? Yeah, I want to I want to know right. who called. So last week, last week uh, I we played we replayed. Uh, a message we've played a few times on the show before. A message uh, from Billy's mother, uh, the darling Miss Laura, uh, Miss Laura Hollowell. And so I had indicated, well, maybe I should see if I can get a hold of her and get her re- to, you know, leave us any more messages. And I didn't even have to call her. She just left this message. I'm about to play it for you. This message in response to last week's show. It was really quite something. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Idiot. Right. So I didn't even have to call her, which was nice. She was just, I mean, she called in response to last week's show. And so, again, imagine my, <laughs> this is so stupid. Imagine my surprise when I answer the, when I check the answering machine. And this is what the I, machine. how old are you? <laughs> well, it's just <laughs> my answering machine. <laughs> check the answering. Oh, well, I know how old you are. <laughs> I check the answering machine and this is what I hear. You are the stupidest person. (laughs) You really are the dumbest person in the world. I can't. Apparently, Laura Hollowell is a big fan of Kevin Meany. (laughs) We're big pants people. Why do you do that to your father and I? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Oh, man. 
That killed me when I heard that. Oh my goodness. I thought that was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. My mom's gonna like hunt you down. You know what? Let's just just for good measure and so I don't want people to have to rewind the, the podcast. Just for good measure. We'll just listen to it. We'll just listen to it once more. And I'll turn Billy's mic down so he's not interrupting with his size and laughter. Just a second. <laughs> I'll try this again. This is the church boys. Leave a message. I'm just calling to leave a message here because I can't seem to get through to Bailey on his home phone. Just love this woman. Bailey, I heard you on the radio the other day and I was very disappointed. I heard you belching and burping and making all sorts of crude, rude noises on the radio. Why do you do that to your father and I? The kids don't belch on the radio. You go around belching and Lord knows what else on the radio. Thank you, Laura. Where, where she said, "We're not a bur- bur- belch on the radio, people." Yeah, that's why I'm saying. That's why I, I apparently Laura is a is a uh, is a fan of Kevin Meany. Don't you know Kevin? You know who Kevin Meany is right, the comedian Kevin Meany. Yes, yes. We're big pants people. We don't roll right tight. We're on tight pants. Why do you do that to your father and I? We're big pants what people. We, what are we gonna do when your mom calls, Chris? Because that that calls my mom's coming, on. I think. My mother is not allowed near the phone, so we won't have to worry about that one. <laughs> You're an awful person. You know, what better to transition into at this point than Pope Francis? Why okay, don't we just go there speaking now? Speaking of transitions, wait just a second. <laughs> just a second, I got to get it because Rivette will, be, will be very disappointed if I don't play this. Uh, here we go. All right. So it's been, it's been Pope Week in America. <sighs> Billy, how's that been going for you? <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and laugh because I can't say what I re- what I really think of how it's been because no, it, look, it's been fine. It's been exhausting and tiring watching. Look, here's the thing: Pope Francis is not the most charismatic speaker in the world. I'm just no. going to put it out there. Well, you don't say. I'll be darned. <laughs> and, and so I think it. I think he's much better when it's not in English. But when it's in yeah. English, I mean the the address in front of Congress mm. was like it, it felt like seven hours. I and know. I had I had the. The remarks, you know, the pre-prepared remarks, and he pretty much followed those pretty closely. So, you know, I was sort of following that as I went. And, you know, look, I'm fascinated by how one person as the leader of a church is so enamored. There's almost like this culture of it's a, it's like the ultimate celebrity almost, yeah, right? Yeah, the way yeah. that the reaction to it. And right. so I've stayed as far away from possible for, from Manhattan just so I can actually cover it, which right. is sort of funny because I think a lot of people want to go and see, but it's just easier to not be there and it's easier to just be in the office covering it yeah, from so afar. Now, there's been some... I don't know if you're okay. If you're not okay with me bringing this up, then just tell me and we'll change subjects, but... There's some blowback you got, right, on some stuff that you were reporting about him. Yeah, no, I look. And and you weren't being negative as, as far as I could tell. No, about and the fact, Pope. so I posted something um and I want to actually pull it up because I think Cuz it wasn't even something you said, right? No, and it was a status from Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's oh, yeah. son, who says yeah. all sorts of interesting things. Yes, um, he does. Sometimes really good things, sometimes really absurd things, and <laughs> 
This particular element, I think, is one of the biggest points of contention between Catholics and Protestants, right? Sure. And it's sure. you know Catholics and any other Christian who's not who's not a Catholic, and obviously they're pretty much all Protestants. But we we go. I'm just pulling it up here because I have it on my Facebook page. It was basically me sharing his status and saying, "Oh, that was a subtle way of making a point." <laughs> You're kind of like being ironic, like, "Oh, he's yeah. trying to make a, a point there." Not, I wasn't saying anything negative. I wasn't endorsing it or agreeing with it, although I do happen to agree with it theologically. And I think the people who reacted so negatively, I'm going to read what he wrote and then explain it. I, I almost wanted to say to people, you know, hello, we can have theological disagreement without you being so crazy and unfollowing me and being anyway. Right. Here's what Franklin Graham said. He wrote, I would like to extend a warm welcome to Pope Francis on his first visit to this great nation. Recently, this pope announced that priests could forgive abortions for one year, the year of Jubilee. And then he said, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. That was from 1 John 1, 1.9. Right. Then he said, as a sinner, I'm glad we can go directly to God for forgiveness 24-7 on any day in any year. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for sin. Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so... Yeah. You know, clearly making, and, and I wrote, this is a subtle way of making a point, because I thought it was kind of funny. It's sort of like, welcome to America, but you're completely wrong on forgiveness and sin. And and look, I don't disagree with the sentiment of what Franklin Graham is saying there. Right. Uh, I think, you know, for a lot of Protestants, and, and this is not an attack on the Catholic Church, I think for some it's sort of an odd thing because they're not used to it. They don't believe it's biblical maybe to go to somebody else to, that, that somebody's given permission um, to give remission or, and I know that that's not sins, theologically right. sound, but necessarily, but I'm going to simplify no, it. No, there There's, is, there is in the Bible, Jesus does tell the disciples, you'll be able to forgive sins. People whose sins you forgive will be forgiven. That sort of thing. I mean, that is, that it, that part is, that is a statement that is made in the Bible, but there's a lot of different interpretations of what that actually means. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, and I think it's interesting. It's not, it, it was, int- it's the, the Pope's visit has brought up theological discussions that could have been had without the Pope coming, but we haven't had the discussions. Like you said, you know, you're saying, you know, Frank Graham says to the Pope, welcome to America, by the way, you're screwy on this or, or whatever. Well, the Pope, what the Pope says about the forgiveness thing is what the Catholic Church has taught, including the 70 million Ameri- Americans who are Catholics, is what they have taught and believed for a long time. Right. No, and look, I don't think there's anything wrong with believing it, but you also can't fault people who don't believe it. And I think and I think that's that's sort of the issue. But that should be the same on and everything. You know, I had people who were very angry at Franklin Graham. They were also voicing that on the comments section, and they were right. angry that I had posted it. Again, I was posting it more for the irony of that. I thought it, I would never word something that way or put it yeah. out there like that. Yeah. I would maybe say I don't disagree with the sentiment, which is what I'm sort of saying here. But I do. But I do think. Um, and, you know, look, may, may, and there can be a whole discussion about the theology of whether or not people should go to others to confess. Right. Right. Um, and for guidance, that that's a great discussion to have. I think the bigger discussion is is if that sort of system is happening, and I don't know the answer to this, are enough people going directly to God? And that's the question that sure. a lot of people would have, and they can have that discussion and that debate. I don't know the answer to it. Right. I know what I'm more comfortable doing personally, and so that's where my stance comes on it. So anything, anything interesting? What, what did you? There's been there was a whole hubbub about what the Pope did and didn't say while he was here. Have you had a lot of feedback from? 
anybody, I mean, various groups of people, Protestants, Catholics, Christians, non-Christians, atheists, Democrats, liberals, Republicans. I mean, have you had, what, well, what has been your, what is the response you've received from what the, the, the things the Pope has said and even maybe more notably the things he hasn't said? I think, you know, when you're looking at the addresses and the speeches that are made, you have to weigh things, right? And right. there may be certain reasons why he says certain things and doesn't say other things. But, you know, when you weigh what was talked about, especially before the U.N. and also before um, Congress and even at the White House, you start to weigh those elements. I think a lot of people on the more progressive side are very happy because they sort of feel like he's addressing the environment and issues that are more pertinent to what they believe in, right? right. So. Does that mean he's a progressive? No, not not necessarily at all. But but he addressed a lot more of those issues. He didn't go into great detail about abortion. In fact, today, um, the day that we're recording this, when he spoke at the UN, right. he addressed the issue of the unborn. He used the word unborn once and he addressed it very briefly, sort of alluded to it. But he, he hasn't discussed that issue, which right. w- it's sort of curious to me. And obviously he's gone in with an agenda on this and that this is something he has made very important to himself, the the environment. Right. But not talking about abortion at a time when Planned Parenthood yeah. has been such a big topic here in the U.S., I thought was an interesting decision. Well, and, it's, and what's weird is like the Catholic Church is the most reliably pro-life organization in like in the world and and yet he takes us time and and there's never a better time in america than right now to bring up the abortion issue if you're the if you're anybody in america with any sort of leadership position at all and for the pope he could have come and shored up support for the pro-life cause and said oh by the way this stuff that's going on with planned parenthood do you understand why this is not good it seems like uh, I think Glenn called it the week of you know the time of missed opportunity or the era of missed opportunity, and that to me, if you're a Catholic, who's and if you're if you're a Catholic who's passionate about the teachings of the Catholic Church, and particularly on abortion, it seems to me that you would see that as a as a as a, a extremely missed opportunity. Well, and. Maybe he doesn't want to focus in on, I mean, marriage is another, he did focus much more on marriage in the speech in front of Congress than he did um, abortion. He didn't talk about abortion at all. There was this veiled reference to it um, that that happened once in that speech. Maybe he wants to avoid those issues. He has sort of indicated in the past that the church seems obsessed with those issues and that that might not be healthy. But yeah, it's just weird to me that you... And I, and I know I've seen a lot of Catholic response to this, and people who are very conservative are not upset. They don't feel like an opportunity was missed, um, yeah. and, and that's fine. But it just seems odd that you address almost every single issue in an hour-long speech, but you leave that one out. I right. mean, and that's like especially one of the big ones. In the, right. It's, it's a huge issue, and I think, you know, again, I understand he has his own reasoning for doing and saying what he wants to say. And look, I'm not a Catholic, so I have no stake in it. I mean, I have no interest right. in it outside of this is what I'm covering, and I think it's interesting. And uh, but but to not address it when it's on so many people's minds right. stuck out to me. It was the first thing I thought as I went through before he even spoke. I went through the remarks. I noticed it wasn't there. Um, and one other thing that was kind of interesting in the prepared remarks that were sent. I don't even know if I'm supposed to share this, but I, I will. And the prepared remarks that were sent to me, two lines that I'm I could be wrong. I'm fairly certain he did not deliver them. From what I recall, he was going to quote from the Declaration of Independence and decided not to for some really? reason. And maybe it was a time thing. Maybe he missed a couple lines. I, I don't know. Right. But it was very fascinating. Uh, he didn't really divert at all from the script outside of that. Interesting. 
And I didn't actually feel like it fit that well, to be honest with you. When yeah. I first read it, maybe, I thought it was kind of odd. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's writing yeah. it on the back of his envelope, on the back of an envelope, and just crossed it out, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, so I don't think there's any re- you know, yeah. negative reason why he didn't, but it was interesting that that was in there. Right. And I thought it was a really good attempt, on a positive note, to relate to Americans, right? Like right. he, I'm going to talk about people who matter to you. Now he picked, you know, Doris Day and not some Doris other Day. Oh my God! I just say Doris Day. Yes, you did. Oh my God, I'm lo- I'm actually losing my mind. That's what's happening right now. Um, but you know, a number of the people, two of the people he picked were individuals who there might be some controversy around. Some right. you know, you're talking about the Catholic Worker Party. I think I have that correct. And you're talking about some other institutions that you know some like and some don't like. So you're going to have controversy surrounding it. I mean, and I don't know. I think, but he also brought up Martin Luther King, who's a hard person for anybody to, dis- to dislike, right? Right. Um, right, right, right? So I thought there was a good balance there. Good. Hey, um, so I just we just got a an e- the weekly audio on demand report from uh, Blaze Radio. Got good numbers, oh, yeah. pal. We got good numbers, pal. Oh yeah, what are they uh, saying? I'm not telling you. We can't say it on the air. This is this is a private company email. But I'm just telling Tell you, look at your emails. It's, it's positive. It's positive. it's positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are we the best show in the world? Well, uh, naturally. Um. So uh. So speaking of the abortion thing, let's let's make a less let, we'll we'll call this a semi awkward. I'll just play part of it. Just okay, just a kind of a semi awkward transition. Um, there is a big, there's still a big dust up going with, on with Carly Fiorina in the whole, you know, campaign thing about and uh, her stuff, her statements about um about Planned Parenthood, and she put out an ad this week. Um, why don't I? I'm gonna play this ad, and there's some parts where you just hear music, and then there's uh, text over. I'll read that text as it appears on the page. Uh, if there's no other uh, words being stated. And then I want to get your reaction. What's been the fallout of this? And, and tell me what, why this is a story, okay? But first, let's let's play this ad so everybody has the context, okay? Let's okay. try it. Let's try Let's try this. Okay. Warning, following video contains graphic content. Carly Fiorina won the debate, so here come the false attacks. I mean, how are you going to run for president and you're going to say, this is what I saw in the video when everyone can get in the video and said, it doesn't exist. Anyone who has watched this videotape, I dare Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama to watch these tapes. A fully formed fetus on the table, its heart beating, its legs kicking, while someone says we have to keep it alive to harvest its brain. That the heart actually is still beating. The this is about the character of our nation. And if we will not stand up and force President Obama to veto this bill, shame on us. This is about the character of our nation. Join us. And then it gives their URL. So. Billy, what's what's the what's the why is this a big deal? This ad that has come out now. So this is the on. I just I think it's so funny. We're more than a week past the debate and we're still talking about this issue. And, you know, we're talking about her very obviously you heard it again in there, that forceful challenge she had to Hillary and Barack Obama. But but what is so crazy about this is that the original video from the Center for Medical Progress had two different pieces of imagery in it. One was a picture and one was a video. And it right. was this was part of their documentary series. And right. there have been 10 videos. I think if you're not 
closely paying attention. It doesn't really matter to you. You just know there have been 10 videos. Right. But a number of those videos have been documentaries. And the reason that that's important is that the video that Carly Fiorina is speaking about was the seventh video that was released. And in it, it's this woman, Holly O'Donnell, who's sharing her story about procuring brain tissue when she worked for STEM Express. And as she's talking about that, they intersperse these two different pieces of imagery. One of them is a video of an aborted fetus baby kicking, right? right. Um, right. Kicking on basically this metal platter. And that's and where they the, talk about how they, we need to harvest these things. Right. And okay. so as they're, as that's playing, Holly's talking about the story of harvesting. So there really didn't, there wasn't much context to it. So it became sort of confusing. It almost looks like, oh, is this the baby that Holly is talking about? Right. right. But it's not. It's like stock foot. It's not. Stock footage is the improper term to use, but that's essentially what it is. It's right. an actual aborted fetus baby right. that is being fully used intact, to illustrate. Fully intact, by the way. Yes, fully intact. Now, and the moving, second and moving and moving. The second image that you see, it looks very similar to that, and you assume it's the same baby. It's not. Is that the one that's in the that's hand, what, being held in the hands? Yes. Okay. And and it's being held in the hands of one of its parents because it was a stillborn baby in real mm-hmm. life, a mother from Pennsylvania. Put it up, put a picture of this baby, her son, on her blog to show what a baby at 19 weeks gestation looks like. Mm-hmm. And that picture has been used multiple times. For some reasons, people saw it. They've used it. The Center for Medical Progress used that picture, and they attracted a lot of controversy last month. Now, Carly Fiorina is talking in the debate about that video. And look, had had she said there's a story about right? This woman who dot, dot, dot claims this happened, that would have been different than saying that you see the baby kicking, but you do, you do see a baby kicking. Right. It's not inaccurate. She didn't make it up. Right. It's just that the baby that's kicking is not the baby they're procuring brain tissue from. So right. the but latest, that's, but that's not, on, but that's not on Carly. Carly's not the one who made the video. She's, she, I think had a reasonable interpretation of the video. Right. Well, and the way she saw think, it. So here's where the where the other part of the issue is. The other part of the issue is that Carly put this video that you played out after, right? So she's put her own video out, and she's taken both right. of those images now, and they've been, well, and I should say she did this. It's her, the super PAC for her. It's not her campaign that put this out. It's the super PAC. They put the video out, and in that video, they've used these two pieces again. Now, the first one, I have worked very hard to try to find out what the source of that video is, and the people who own the rights to it are looking into it, Right. They they're not refusing to give the information. They just don't yet have it. So You're we don't know about anything the, about the aborted that video. Ba- the aborted baby that's moving. Yes. Okay. Yes. Which, I know we're talking about which, forty different. Which videos. the Center for Medical Progress included in their Planned Parenthood videos. Right. So now that picture though so is when the Car- problem. But, but let me but let me say, Planned Parenthood was to say that wasn't that wasn't one of our aborted babies that we then harvested organs from. I mean, they're saying that she's made that up and saying that this stillborn baby also is not a Planned Parenthood picture. So, but Carly Fiorina is saying, I've seen the Planned Parenthood videos, referring to the Center for Miracle Progress videos, included in those videos by CMP is a video of a aborted baby still kicking whose heart, whose apparently parts were gonna be harvested. Well, and that's the part. We have no idea if parts were going to be harvested from that baby at all. But again, that's not Carly Fiorina saying that Planned Parenthood was going to harvest those. She's quoting, she's saying, I've seen the Planned Parenthood videos. Right, right, right. right. And the woman generically, that means, right. And speaking generically, that means the CMP videos. 
Right. No. Right. And I think and I think this is it's important to note, too, that so Planned Parenthood put out put a letter out. Apparently, they they allegedly sent this letter to the campaign. But I don't know if the campaign ever received it again. The campaign didn't put Carly's video out. It was the super PAC. Right. Defending her. Right. Saying remove that video immediately. It's using the image of a stillborn baby. It doesn't prove what you've said it proves. And it's they're talking again about that second image from the right. original um, Center for Medical Progress video. But she, but again, Carly's super PAC used that image. So the controversy is over that image. Planned Parenthood isn't acknowledging the video, which does, according to the people who have the rights to that video, does show an aborted uh, baby. Yeah. They're talking about this picture, which, which in truth, Planned Parenthood does have a little bit of a point um, or 50% of a point in that that is the picture of a stillborn baby and probably, right. you know, doesn't belong in any of these videos. Right. It definitely doesn't belong in any of these videos. But right. alas, there it is. It's a, it's in all the videos. And gotcha. um, now I can't comment on, on why the Fiorina camp chose to use it or the super PAC rather that has to keep its distance from the Fiorina camp chose to use it. But But it's in there. And maybe it's just to show that they weren't making it up, that it was in the original clip. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's fair for the pro Carly pack to, to, to put those out there because they're saying this is what was, she referred to the Planned Parenthood video. Here's a clip of the Planned Parenthood video. She's referring to, she didn't accuse anybody of anything. All she said was watch the Planned Parenthood video. It has this in it. That's but you know it. what? We're getting so in the weeds on this because at the end of the day, if what Holly O'Donnell said is true, that should be our biggest concern. Right. Whether Absolutely. or not Holly Absolutely. O'Donnell was telling the truth. Not the images, not the pictures, because right. guess what? Right. If you watch those other videos, there are, are other issues in which the pathology lab is showing baby parts. And that may yeah. not be illegal, but it's disgusting. It and, yeah. you know, so, yeah, watch the videos. Why haven't Hillary and Barack Obama watched the videos? Those that if, the, if they haven't, which the assumption right. is they haven't. Right. I think everybody should watch them and look. I've read a lot of people who have said we watch the videos and we still support Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Fine, you at least watch them. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back with two feel good videos of the feel good videos of the week. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's abortion go. into feel good videos. That's this right. Is, uh, so that's why we're taking a break. Transition. Okay, we will be right back. Just a minute. Back to the church boys that's right we're back we have been enjoying some great audio this this beautiful friday well it's friday to us and we're recording this weekend one of them being of course that lovely ad from carly fiorina um <laughs> talking about dead babies which is just really a it's very uplifting yeah. allegedly and we had a wonderful uh a, a kind lovely recording uh of laura hallwell admonishing her uh, ne'er-do-well son uh, about his conduct uh, on the radio. Do, do hmm? they shampoo the carpets in hell, Chris? <laughs> there are no, it's all hardwoods. <laughs> it's like my house. <laughs> <laughs> Living in hell. So let's, let's, I want to do a couple of the feel good. Let's like actually legitimately feel good stories of the, of the week. Um, a couple of uh, audio clips. So, First of all, it's again, we were recording this on Friday, and some big things happened on Friday, not just the Pope addressing the UN, not just the Pope going to ground zero, not just the interfaith prayer service, whatever that was that was happening. <laughs> did you watch any of that, by the way? I did. I, I don't did. want to get myself in trouble, but oh my goodness sakes. That was <laughs> I I would I was I was uncomfortable watching it. I can't imagine how uncomfortable I would have been being there. 
Yeah, you Just know, saying. sometimes, sometimes, and it's so funny because I was watching the CNN analysis of this, and I, I was like in the background, so I didn't hear who it was. <laughs> there were like four things that CNN analysts said that were so bizarre, and I don't think these. I think they were guests who had come on to comment. Obviously, not not staff members. I hope right. of CNN, but one of them was basically that Pope Francis um, told people, you know, oh, pray for me or give me, if you don't pray, you know, give me well wishes or whatever. And they, yeah. were, this person was so on fire over the fact that, you know, Pope Francis says, doesn't say that only the Catholic Church gives salvation. He says that anyone can have salvation. Like there were all these bizarre comments and I was like, well, I don't know that Pope, Fr- I mean, I would imagine that Pope Francis would think that you should be a Catholic. Yeah, I would suppose. I would suppose. Right. I mean, for, I mean, Right. I don't I, I don't know. But I think so. There were some other things, too, that I found very bizarre about CNN's um, coverage. One was a mention of and I think it might have been Anderson Cooper. I, I don't know who it was, but of uh, Pope Francis's sciatica that was bothering yeah. him and how his, <laughs> limp, his limp showed that um, his doing, sciatica was a problem. Maybe he's just doing the pimp with a limp thing. I don't know. I right. just can't. <laughs> um what were we even talking about? Oh, I the interfaith. Know. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't. I think sometimes. Oh well, and that's why I went on the whole CNN rant because they were going on and on and on about how this is the moment that interfaith movement is going to be invigorated and all oh. this other stuff. And you know, I sort of felt like, well, the reason that inter. I mean, look, interfaith stuff is fine and nice if you're going to have a fundraiser and you're going to do. There's nothing wrong with getting and along. If you're talking with, about you know, right, and if you're talking about treating other people well, right, right, I totally am on board with that. Yes. You know, but but some I don't know. I mean, did it feel forced? Did it not feel? It was a nice event, but it, it felt. I don't know. I don't not know. Good. It's it, nothing wrong with it. It's no, just, I no, don't know. I, I, I felt okay. We'll stop there. <laughs> I felt there was something wrong with it, but we'll just leave it there. How about that? Oh, I want hate mail. Tell us what's wrong with it, Chris. <laughs> Let's go ahead and go on to the. Uh, hey, hey, right wing watch. <laughs> Uh, so, oh God, I can just see this becoming a segment. Um, so stop yourself. But, um, I, I've actually had a segment on right wing watch. Once. Yeah, I know. I know. I was on there when I was working at, oh, I think I was at human events and they got me on there. I don't remember what it was for. I can't remember. I mean, I hmm. feel like, oh, my mother-in-law just sent me a picture. This is very interesting. It's oh, yeah. Ava in her Halloween costume, which just came in. I thought my Ava daughter's... was in daycare. Well, Ava, no, she actually goes to a school. We should talk about oh, this. And day school. She, cares, she has so. like a uniform. She's a legit oh, really? school kid. Yes. Catholic <laughs> school kid, too. It's just interesting. Um, but, uh, she, Are your in-laws you Catholic? Are your in-laws Catholic? Uh, everybody I've ever met is Catholic. Except your, your, for you. parent, your parents aren't Catholic. No. Everybody in my family, aside from my parents, is Catholic. And like, you. All my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents. I'm, I've never been Catholic. My parents were both Catholic. Okay. I'm actually the only person in my family who has never been Catholic. Oh, okay. And your wife used to be Catholic? Yes. Before becoming an a- atheist, she was Catholic. And then she became a Christian. <laughs> That's um, a strange journey. So show yes. me that picture again of your daughter. So... Ava is, we have this this conversation that's ongoing. It's Ava in her Minnie Mouse. Oh, yes, 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 yes. My daughter had one of those. So yes. my mother-in-law just ordered it for her, and it came. But this morning on the way to school, Ava went on and on and on about how she wants to be an incredible. She wants to be oh, one really? of the Incredibles. That's and so nice. they already ordered this costume. So they're trying to, she's wearing the costume. They're indoctrinating uh-huh. her into this a month before Halloween. So now, isn't she supposed to be in this little Catholic school she's supposed to be yes, in? Yes, it was a half day, though, because oh, the Pope okay. was here, I guess, oh, for some right. reason. I gave them a half day. Because of the Pope. Uh, I actually, because I think of some the of them were going to the city. <laughs> 
So they had tickets. The school gave tickets out, um, auctioned them off or whatever if you wanted to go. So a little fundraiser. I don't know. I don't know if it was free. I shouldn't say auction. They, I think they hand them out and okay. select people at random. But, but yeah, you know, she's in a Catholic school. Considering that you failed to get press credentials for the Pope's visit, you should have tried <laughs> to get tickets through your daughter's school. Well, I'm sorry. I did not realize that I needed to apply for press credentials in 2012 for the Pope coming to. No, yeah, and honestly, I'm so glad I didn't get press credentials. I'm just going to admit that. I'm so glad that. I'm bad at my job, says Billy Hallowell. <laughs> I am so glad. I know everyone else is like, why don't you have them probably? But I was so glad not to have them because honestly, I am a firm believer that you do not need to be at every single event to cover it in a crowd of 1,400 million freak shows and nice people too who are crammed into one sardine can to see the Pope and I can't get any work done because there's nowhere to connect to the internet. I'm so glad I'm bad at my job. Write that down. In fairness, it was right before the baby came. Whatever. (laughs) We've got our show title. All right. So you know, I hope the blood moon is a sign. (laughs) Okay. So explain. Now I know we still got to get back to these feel good videos. We really do. But explain the blood moon thing to me. I've heard it. I've heard it talked about many a time. And I've never been able to process it because my this brain, why I'm laughing, I, my yeah. head, my eyes start to roll back in my head. And listen, I, I've heard Hagee and Glenn talk about this thing. I find it interesting to a point. And then I just start to, it's not a matter of losing interest. It's like my brain starts to shut down. Can you explain it to me at all? Or to yeah, the rest I mean, of the I listeners? can do my best because every time I have to go back and reacquaint myself with it because I find right. it so complicated. Right. But basically the bottom line is that um, there are, Two Jewish holidays every year, uh, and is I'm, I never pronounce the There's first. There's more one, than right? two. There's more than two Jewish. Well, no, holidays no, no. the two year. that are involved in the blood moons okay. that are that are important to the blood moons, gotcha. and one is the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is coming up on Monday, and basically one? the what didn't they just have one? Like you on know? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week? Yeah, I don't. It, yeah, Rosh but that Shana. was different. That was a different holiday. The, right. So. And in fact, I'm actually pulling up my because I want to make sure I have all the years right, because this has been this is like very complicated. There's a whole theology behind, behind the, the theological blood. construct behind this. So, all right, the Feast of the Tabernacles and then also, um, oh, I guess it's it's Passover, but it but it's um, Passover is the first one, then Feast of the Tabernacles. Okay. okay, so the way that this works is from 2014 to 2015, there were four blood moons, and the fourth one is happening Sunday, okay, so the day is, that this podcast what is a blood? What is a blood moon? Um, okay, so a blood moon is basically when the sun and the moon and the earth all line up in a way in which the moon itself turns like a reddish orange. Okay. Um, the earth actually becomes, it comes in between the sun and the moon. That's how this works. So when the earth lunar, isn't that just a lunar eclipse? It's a full, it's a full lunar eclipse. Yes. Okay. It's a full. Um, and so these happen pretty frequently. Red blood moons, red moons are not that uncommon. They do happen, but when it's the pattern, that's, what's important to this. So You talk about the Passover, you talk about Passover, and then you also talk about the Feast of the Tabernacles. In 2014 and 2015, these blood moons, the Tetrad, which is the four blood moons, all happened on those holidays. 
Okay. They oh. it started in 2014 and I'm pulling up I have the dates here. It so was on. April 15th, 2014, October 8th, 2014, April 4th, 2015, and then September 28th, which is my birthday actually, 2015. Which is, which is what okay. Monday Monday this Monday. Monday. So, it'll be it's Sunday your birthday night this, into wait, Monday. It's your birthday this Monday? What? Yeah. It's your, how old will you be? 30, Why don't you guess? 30, 30, 30 33. Almost, almost. 34. 32. Um, 32. 32. Okay. There you go. About a century younger than you. About. That's how I make myself feel better because it's not much younger than you at all. <laughs> but, um, all right. So, basically, so and what, I know I'm going on and on okay, about so, this, but I so want the, to. The, the last four blood moons have all happened on on the two significant on two significant Jewish holidays. Yes. And that's called the, te it's called a tetrid. Okay. A tetrid. And that's when there's four that happen on the, on the Jewish holidays like that. Okay. Does it have to happen on those Jewish holidays for it to count? Yes. Okay. Now, I don't know why. That, okay. The good question is why. But I guess, okay, so the way this was formed is looking back at history, looking back at NASA data, and that's what that's what John Hagee did. And basically, in, in 1492, we go all the way back to 1492. When Columbus King, sailed the ocean blue. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, Isabella. Isabella issued yeah. an edict of expulsion, kicking the Jews out of Spain. Well, so, it's about time. <laughs> Jeez, come on. So... There was apparently a tetrid in, in 1493 and then 1494. Oh, wow. um, okay. And there were there were three before that as well anyway. But uh, so that tetrid apparently is tied somehow with that expulsion. And the idea is that every single time there's been a tetrid with four of them on the holidays like that, right. that something big has happened. And so hmm. there was and this is kind of interesting. No, there was a. What? Did, Go ahead. Does something happen usually before those things or after those things? Because it sounds to me like the 1492 expulsion was before the 9394 Tetrid. Yeah, and the last time I looked at this was 2014, and I remember being a little bit confused because I felt like some of the events were happening before, some of them were happening after. Okay. Um, for instance, there was another Tetrid in 1949 and 1950, and that obviously that was a year after. 1948 is when Israel became... A state again, right? Right, right, right. So, right. It, look, it's interesting. Now, the next one was in 1967 and 1968, and that was around the time of the Six Day War. Right. So you you go through and you and you sort of look at it, and you're like, okay, well, it is kind of interesting, right? I mean, right. The, but other people look at this and they say this is completely bogus. There's there's nothing to this. And the last time that there was a tetrid, because they will come in fours like this. Um, before this current one that we're in was 2003, 2004, but they were not on Jewish holidays. So like okay. I said, these will happen a lot, but they might not be on Jewish holidays. Oh, okay. All right. But the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, too. So a lot of right. people will say, well, this is not surprising that it would happen sometimes sure, like that. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, cool. But they are either before or after very big events. I mean, they do happen to be before right. or after big it, but events. But it's always... You, there's no way of predicting what a tetrad on these Jewish holidays would mean because it's always, you look back into history and go, there was that tetrad and there was that big event. There was that tetrad, there was that big event. It's not like some sort of cataclysmic thing is going to happen. It's that right. something significant. There, If you look back into history, there's a very good chance that something significant will have happened around that time. All right, so, and let me just is say that this. Accurate? Yes, okay. that's, that's accurate. Now, what Hagee says... And he actually says what you just said. He told me um, in an interview last year, 
Uh, let's see here. He said, I think the thing that people will take away from this is that it means based on past history, like you just said, that something is about to change in the Middle East concerning Israel that will affect the nations of the world and everyone on planet Earth. And then he said, no one knows for sure what it will be, but based on the pattern of the past, it will involve Israel. It will begin with tears and end with triumph and change the course of history forever. So basically all of those events hmm. w would, in his view, begin with tears and with triumph. Interesting. All right. Now it could be. It is interesting that we're sitting here talking about though issues like Iran and the Middle East. Right. But I also am very skeptical of this, and I've repeatedly said that. And we have, if you read the story we have, and I will put a link to it in the story we do on the show, you will see that there are a lot of critics who make very good points about True. why even Ken, even Ken Ham's organization Answers in Genesis does not believe in this. <laughs> oh well, if Ken Ham's not in, well then I'm not in. <laughs> well. So you know, I don't, I don't know then what Ken and Noah would think about that. All right, so w feel good videos. Let's get back to that because we got sidetracked. Oh, and you want to? You're dying to make this happen. No, no, I just, I want to, I want to play these because they made me laugh, both of them. But before that, so we're talking about there's some significant things that happened today on this day that we're recording, and one of, and one of them was the Pope. Something that happened this morning, just before the big news that we're about to talk about happened. I'm sitting at breakfast with the kids, and I'm talking to my daughter. And I said something about your teacher, Mrs. So-and-so. And let's just say I'm going to use not her name, uh, Barton, because we know David Barton. I can just use his name, but it's not it's not Barton, right? I said, you know, you are talking about Mrs. Barton? She goes, yeah. And my son, Colty, who's four, he'll turn five in November. He's four. And he says to me, he goes, you mean Mrs. Cuton? <laughs> and I looked at him and I go, you think her Mrs. Uh, Barton, Izzy's teacher, is cute? And he goes, yes. And he gets this devious <laughs> smile on his face. And um, and Izzy goes, oh, I'm going to tell my teacher. And I said, no, don't tell her. It's going to embarrass her. And my son leans over to her and goes, you can tell her. <laughs> wow, you have a little player on your hands yeah, I over do. here. This I'll is, tell you what, my, my son likes girls with yellow hair, so blondes, and he likes ponytails a lot. <laughs> He's a weird little dude. <laughs> All right. Well, so anyway, the, the apple's not falling far from the tree in yeah, that case. No, he sounds like a pretty normal kid, actually. I mean, at four? Either, I mean, four no, I, yeah, four is kind of young to be aware of that, but it's not a bad thing to be aware of it. I know. Something. All right. So one of the big stories that happened today before we were recording was... Dun, dun, dun. Donald Trump's hairpiece fell out. No. John Boehner. Davis tripped. Your your woman, your your babe. Speaking of which, uh, we got an interview with Kim Davis on uh, theblaze.com. It's a text interview. It's it's written up that Fred Lucas did at the Value Voter Summit that's happening this week with Family Research Council. Anyway, um, this morning John Boehner resigned his announced he was leaving Congress at the end of October, which means we had to find a new. There's got to be a new speaker found. Very, very, very interesting. Now, a lot of people are cheering this, including probably our boss. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> that Glenn's yeah. pretty happy about yeah. this, would be my probably. guess. And I'm, to be frank, I'm not heartbroken. <laughs> I didn't hate Boehner as much as a lot of people do, including Glenn. But I'm certainly not. I'm. You know what? Don't let the door hit you in the rear, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so at speaking of the Value Voters Summit, Marco Rubio is at speaking at the Value Voters Summit. 
when this news breaks and he gets to break the news to the crowd. And here is the moment he tells the crowd at the value voter summit in Washington, DC, the thing put on by the family research council. Here's that moment that he, uh, that he makes that announcement. Oh, it's not going to hit this thing. Now this thing started over on me. This is so annoying. Me and my technology, right? I'm like Billy. All right. So here we go. And we'll see how things progress. Just a few minutes ago, Speaker Boehner announced that he will be resigning. Yeah! <laughs> it's a huge standing ovation. The people go nuts. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. So there's one feel-good item, right? Marco Rubio gets to get up there. In fact, did you see the Donald Trump clip later, Billy, after that? Uh, from the Value I Summit. avoid Donald Trump clips always. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Uh, crap. Where is it? It's on our website. Come on. So Donald Trump is also speaking at the Value Voter Summit. I don't know if they had all the candidates there or not. But um, it's loading so slowly. Uh, where is it? Let me find the word. Um, anyway, so um, here we go. So Donald Trump is speaking at also at the Family Research Counter, counter event, the uh, Faith and Family Coalition thing, Value Voter Summit. And so let's find it here because <laughs> it's just Trump at his Trumpetiest. Uh, let me find it at the 525 mark. Okay, so this is a, a this is a while after Rubio has spoken. Okay, so here's here's Trump talking to the to the folks. <laughs> Oh, it's so sad. I mean, you know, like you have this, this clown, Marco Rubio. I've been so nice to him. Uh, I've been so nice. I've been so nice. And then, no, but he's in favor of immigration and he has been. He has. Okay, so I just had to play that because it made me laugh. Because Donald. <laughs> he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. He gets up there and he says, this clown, Marco Rubio, who just spoke before him to the same crowd that cheered Marco Rubio. Donald Trump comes up and says, this clown who just spoke a few minutes ago, Marco Rubio. They all boo. And he just talks over him. He I have to, doesn't I, care. He doesn't care. And I got to say, I'm I love completely it. entertained still. <laughs> I do. I I. <laughs> I, I don't want him to be president, but I so, want to be friends with them. We are so screwed as a country. <laughs> okay, so there's there's one. And uh, this other this other uh, feel-good clip over the day um, is one I'm going to have to go back and, and, uh, and, and, and do some bleeping on because it is a video. Have you seen this yet? No, I purposely didn't watch okay. it because I want to hear you tell me about it. Okay, so. Yeah, that's why. Kid, this kid in where what town is it in? I don't even remember what town it's in. Anyway, this there's a there's a bully hitting this blind kid at a school and it's being recorded. Somebody's recording. What the hell it is wrong with people? I don't know, but this kid is just punching a blind kid in the face. And so this other kid named uh, is it Cody Pine? Let me. I, mean, I want to make sure I get his name right because I don't want to. You know, Cody Pines comes over and defends the blind kid against a classmate. Who, the classmate who's beating on him. So this this Cody Pines kid comes in, sees that his friend, I think his name's Austin, is getting the tar beat out of him by this kid. The, a blind kid is getting beat up by this bully who's just punching him in the face. 
And this kid, Cody Pines, comes over and with one punch just cold cocks this kid. Cold cocks <laughs> the bully and takes him out and knocks him down. Now, again, we're gonna play this as a whole lot of F words. We're gonna have to go back and I'll go back and bleep things out. But it is amazing. So now this kid isn't let me let me play the video, okay? And then we'll we'll go from there. He's punching a fucking blind kid, bro. What the fuck is your problem? I swear to God, dude, if you fucking fuck with this kid again, I will fuck you up. Okay, so I can't endorse the language. But this kid comes through and the the bully is beaten on the blind kid and this hero kid this kid is being hailed as a hero comes through and just cold cocks this kid knocks him down and then says you mess with this kid again and i will mess you up only he didn't use as polite of terms as i'm using and it's unbelievable so what happens the police come and they arrest the bully okay and the police in the situation say the kid who intervened did not commit a crime we're not going to charge him he used reasonable force to stop the attack right the school, however, has suspended the hero kid, the kid who stepped in to protect the blind kid, has suspended okay. him now, and wait. is standing by the suspension. There's now a petition online, right? There's a petition online, and uh, let me click on the petition, see where they are. They're looking for 25,000. Well, the school won't confirm whether that's true. They would not confirm to our reporter, David Bansky, whether that was true. Right. 37,000 people have signed this petition to say, get him back into school, get rid of the suspension, and put him back on the football team, because he got kicked off the football team for this. Oh, he was not, apparently. That's the new update. Is there a new update now that he wasn't kicked off the football team? Uh, that, that's what they're saying. I that find he, that hard he, to believe, but whatever. He that That's a recent update, actually. Right. So... That he was not he was not kicked off the football team. But in fairness, as somebody, and I'm not going to let you live this down ever, who <laughs> loves rules and regulations, <laughs> I would imagine, I would imagine that the Huntington Beach High School, whichever right. district that is sure. in, sure. that they have a no tolerance, zero tolerance policy, which requires anybody who's in a fight or in an, in an attack, whether they're defending right. somebody, whether they're right, right or they're wrong, right. that both of those individuals be suspended. And since you love rules and regulations, hey, listen, we need to change. Those, wait, we, wait we need to call and we need to change that regulation. We need to go to a school board meeting and change it yep. in order to make sure Cody doesn't get in trouble next time. Right. right. Just like and, Kim and, Davis. And listen, if those are if those are the rules, those them are the rules. Them are the rules. However, it's a stupid rule. It is enough. Now, it, it is a stupid rule and schools are allowed to have leeway when it's the enforcement of the rules. When it's if there's a if if a if a active shooter comes into the school and some kid takes him out with a tackle and beats the tar out of him to put him into submission, this guess what? The school's going to waive the waive the punishment. I'm not too worried about the, what the rule is. The, the the school can change the rule. The school can waive the punishment. That's at the discretion of the school. I just find it interesting that this kid has come through and just knocked the stuffing out of this guy. So the other thing that's interesting on this video, if you if you listen carefully, the kid says the the kid's name is Cody, and there's a kid there's a kid who says there's a kid who says now Billy, it, it, uh, you just had to step away for a second, but I was just bringing up if you listen closely to this video, the kid who's the quote hero kid is named Cody. Okay. After he takes this kid out, the the bully, after he takes this kid out, one of apparently the friends of the bully 
raise are standing up for the bully because they say, why do you do that? That sort of thing. And then Cody says, he's messing with this kid. But if you listen, one of the, apparently one of the friends of the bully says, you're dead, Cody. So I'm interested to hear. I'm, I'll be interested to see if there's a follow-up. Like, does this kid then come under attack from friends of this bully? Because there's somebody that says, you're dead, Cody, or something like that. It sure sounds like that anyway. So anyway, those are my two feel-good videos of the day. I'm actually 100%. I mean, I think these zero-tolerance policies can be abs- – look, if it's a legitimate fight that people got into um, and it's not something like this, that's a different story. But in this case, you actually have a situation where – right. You know, I, I don't know. It's okay, so I gotta read. As you know, Ala Pundit is one of my favorite bloggers out there, and he has he wrote did a little write up on this thing, and the the headline of his thing is called uh, "The Obligatory Teen Cold Cox Bully Who Was Beating Up Blind Kid Post." Okay, so here's the open here's the the lead of here's the opening of of Ala Pundit's item. Here's your feel good video of the day, assuming that it's okay to feel good about a young teenager lying on the ground with blood running out of his head after he decided to throw a few roundhouses at a schoolmate with a visual disability. After the bully was scraped off the pavement, the cops booked him on a charge of misdemeanor battery, a minor punishment compared to the fact that he'll be known for the rest of his life as the kid who got his ass kicked in that video after throwing down with a blind kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... All right, I, we, we got to take a break because we got to get to our interview and we have gone long, which is fine. People enjoy it, so it's whatever, you know. Um, but when we come back, speaking of fighting, we've got an interview that you conducted with a guy who's been known for going uh, you know, going in the ring a few rounds and something special that he's doing. So we will get to that as soon as we get back. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. So we spoke with this guy who really has a fascinating story. He is an MMA fighter, Justin Wren, pretty well-known guy, huge following, um, recently won a big fight, had been out of the game for a long time. He was on drugs um, maybe five years ago um, and really just all over the place with his life, even though he had this success as a fighter. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically had this encounter with God changed his life, became a Christian, and started traveling over uh, to rescue the pygmy people. And it's just, it's a really interesting story. And poured himself into all right. of this. And what what are you, you're giving well, me a cause, sign. What's no, because I'm remembering, I'm remembering when you you sent me a text, we had this interview with this guy, and you sent me a text that said, tomorrow we're going to interview the MMA fighter who's working with pygmies. I thought, <laughs> that might be the strangest sentence you've ever written to me. <laughs> Or yeah, something that, like that. No, right. but I mean, it's an amazing. It's actually an amazing story about a about yeah. a group of people that nobody really thinks about, and they yeah. feel forgotten. And yep. he has devoted. After he became a Christian, he devoted his whole life yeah. to a charity and helping them over there and yep. and raising awareness. And so he's running a ministry and he's fighting again. And is a he's a young guy too. He's in his twenties and just a really fascinating story. So we've interviewed him. And before I spoil any more of it, Rolly. It's Billy Hollowell here for the Church Boys, and I'm excited to have Justin Wren on the line. How you doing today, Justin? I'm doing very well, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful to have this opportunity. Well, listen, I'm I'm grateful to talk with you. I think you've had a fascinating life. You've had a, a really interesting career um, as an MMA fighter, and you know, you, but but I think the most compelling part of your story is what you've been doing overseas to help others and. 
Before we get into that, I want to jump into your new book and just hear a little bit. And I know we'll talk about the book here and then we'll sort of get into the background issues. Tell me about Fight for the Forgotten. What led to this? Why did you write it? And what are you hoping people take away from it? Yeah, well, first, I never in a million years would have thought that my life would become a a book. And uh, I was doing an interview for Sports Illustrated, and uh, uh, the the person interviewing me said, do you know that your life, um, what you're doing in the Congo is a book alone, but but your life story is a book. And I said, what? No way. And uh, thank you. You're being too kind to, and then um, she said, no, really, like if you wanted to, this to become a book, like I'll jump on board, dive in head first, and I'll help you write it. And uh, she was a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, that's Loretta Hunt, who I wrote the book with. Um, and man, it happened so fast. I mean, I think in a matter of just a couple of weeks, we had uh, not just literary agents, but we had signed with Howard Books and Simon and & Schuster. And um, so it all fell in place. But I was uh, absolutely... Um, blown away with that opportunity, but then I also really decided I really want to encourage people, no matter where they are in life, um, the book um, uh, it kind of starts out uh, in the first, second or third chapter talking about how I grew up getting bullied in school, um, and because of that, it led to depression, and, and I could share a couple of just kind of crazy stories um, of like, uh, the, the least would be me sitting at the uh, lunch table by myself, getting pelted in the back of the head with chocolate milk spit wads, but um, people that have read the book reached out and said, man, some of this stuff seems like it should be in a movie about anti-bullying because uh, I was I was heavily, heavily bullied. And um, because of that, it led to depression. And through that depression, I, I tried to find sports and wrestling and, and pull myself out of that depression and uh, and become someone else. But but even through that um, and fighting, I, I numbed myself, numbed my depression, Um with uh, narcotics and and cocaine and, and marijuana and uh, alcoholic and I mean all sorts of stuff always piggybacked everything um, and so it's it's got the anti bullying the depression the addiction um, and then it, it leads into to Congo and how once I became sober eleven months um, being sober and, and and that was through my faith um, I like to say that God loved the hell out of me <laughs> well let me ask and, you let um, me let me ask yeah. you this about your faith because I think. You know, and, and I want to get into your work in the Congo. I, I love asking, sometimes yeah. I love sort of starting with, tell me about the book, because I feel like for someone like you, knowing a little bit about your background, the the book is sort of the essence of who, of who you are, and it's letting people into this into this story. And you mentioned your faith, you mentioned drug addiction, overcoming that. What? Tell me a little bit about your faith journey, how you came into faith. Was it something you grew up with? Um, you know, I know you live in Texas now. It's a very culturally Christian place. Not, you know, that can sometimes be yeah. different from authentic faith. Not always, but sometimes. Tell me a little bit about right. your faith journey. Well, I like that you even just mentioned authentic faith because uh, I would say that until I was 23 years old, I had never experienced that. Um, I had experienced all the the Christian bubble, holy huddle, uh, fake it till you make it. Um, I don't know, just religious faith of uh, all the rules, regulations, routines, rituals, and um, very dry and dull uh, religion that wasn't going to help me. I, I remember telling the guy that, that led me to my faith and, and my relationship with Christ, and um, and I, I remember telling him, you know, he, he knew I was battling 
heavy, heavy addictions that I had missed my best friend's wedding and had a eight minute voicemail saying, I can't believe you missed my wedding. I can't believe you were at no show uh, and you were supposed to be my best man. Um, so I was, I was, I don't know, in a very dark, um, dark place. And I, t- I remember telling him, man, I need something real. Like, uh, I don't need something fake. And uh, he wanted me to go on a retreat. I first thought it was for, you know, drug addicts and it was kind of a recovery retreat. But it was, uh, it was a Christian men's retreat. And that's when I told him, no way, I'm not going. Because uh, my favorite quote in high school, I would say, was from Gandhi. It says, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And um, that's all I had experienced was judgmental Christians. That you talk about a God of love, but all you do is, is judge me. And I, all you do is see you hating other people. And uh, that's not a God of love. And so I, I never wanted to be around that stuff. And I have some other stories that are in the book. Um, it's the third chapter. And uh, had people try to cast demons out of me and leave bruises on me at a, the only church camp I went to. And uh, I had family that, that, anyways, just really messed it up. If you wear shorts, have a tattoo, ever drink alcohol, um, you're headed straight for the pits of hell. And so <laughs> I told the guy, yeah, no. It's the legal, uh, it's the legalistic, you know, Christian approach to life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I looked at my... My buddy Jeff, who was at the book signing last night, and uh, I looked in the eyes and said, "Bro, I need I need a real answer, a real solution, um, and, and I don't need religion." And he looked back at me and said, uh, "Justin, real people with real problems really need a real God with real answers, real solutions." And um, and like that sounded good, but it was the next part that got me where he said, uh, "Justin, I promise you, he's real." And I promise you, he really wants to love you. And if you let him, he'll love the hell out of you. Um, and so that's that's what I would say was uh, a, a man of authentic faith, like you said, um, being real with me. And um, and that's what I needed was 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 someone being real with me and 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 not just telling me the the churchy biblical answer, which is is great, but at the same time, like. You got to get on people's level. You got to speak uh, their language. Um, and if someone doesn't speak Christianese, me being a, a drug addict and fighter, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't speaking that language yet. Um, and so he, he spoke a language that, that I could understand, which would say, "Jesus is the ultimate fighter, not you." And if you submit, tap out, and give give your life over to God, like um, you know, he'll. He'll, he'll, he'll save you from this, save you from yourself, save yourself from the, the stuff you got yourself into. Um, and, uh, and, and it happened, like, uh, which was nuts, because for a fighter, you don't, you don't submit, you don't tap out. And I've never done that in competition or in professional fight. Um, it's something that I kind of prided myself in, because I don't give up, I don't tap out. And so for me, that didn't make sense. I was like, if you give up, if you tap out, if you submit, if you surrender, then you lose. He's like, no, I promise you, you'll get on the greatest victory you've ever given. And, what, did uh, you, you have a moment? Have won it for yourself. Did you have like? Did you have a moment where, you know, did you have a conversion moment where you prayed and, and you felt it and you had that moment, or was it more of a gradual thing, or or both? Uh, it was five years, four months, and eleven days ago. So I would say that it was one of those moments, uh, without a doubt. Uh, Man, and it doesn't happen this way for everybody, and I know it doesn't. I don't want to make it sound cheesy or or uh, 
something magical, but man, it was real, and it is something spiritual, and I think in a lot of ways something supernatural, where I, man, I, I felt, I would say the love of God, like a warm blanket around me, and I, 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 I don't know, I, I literally felt tingles all over, like a fire through my bones or something, like it, I knew, I, I got on my knees and prayed, and that wasn't something they asked me to do or told me to do. It's kind of like just where I was at, kind of the, I guess the posture of my heart was like, I don't know, kind of, man, I need to humble myself right now and pray. When I got up, I just felt like a different person. I knew that I had a long uh, road ahead and a bunch of battles to overcome, but I knew that, that I had had a heart change. And I think that's how God works. He changes our heart first, and then we'll see it um, through the way that we live our lives. No, absolutely. And so <clears throat> take me through that now. It's a little over, it's been, it's been five years. What, how did your life change, right? It wasn't because obviously everything changes in that moment. And I could say as, as a fellow Christian, I understand that a hundred percent, everything changes and you and things feel different and it's not all instant. Like you said, some of it, you still had a road ahead, but what came next for you professionally? What was sort of the next step in your life, in every area of your life, but also specifically when it came to fighting? Yeah, um, well, with fighting, I, I tried to fight twice um, as a Christian. And uh, the first time was actually, uh, so that when I went to that retreat, it was the worst timing possible for me being a professional athlete and fighter because I had a fight, and that was the main event at the Hard Rock in Las Vegas, uh, 19 days after I gave my life to, to Christ. And that's like peak week. That's like the hardest week of training. and when you're really supposed to be going at it. And instead I was on a retreat, not really doing anything except runs in the morning. Um, but, uh, I thought 19 days later and it was fresh, so real and raw, I would say to me that, uh, that man, I, I don't think anything could have shaken me at that time to, to go back to the drugs, the drinking. Like I didn't even go out to an after party. Um, and I had some good people that came out from that retreat to kind of spend time with me. Um, but then I would say four months later, I, I, I fought again, and uh, I, I didn't have the right people around me. And I went back to Colorado, still had all my old friends around, and, um, and was trying to be a good influence in their life. But, you know, when you're surrounded by maybe nine or ten negative influences and you're trying to be the one positive influence, you can be you can be dragged back down pretty easily. And, um, and I didn't have a, a church home, uh, you know, brothers I could walk through life with. And, um, so I fell back hard, real hard, um, after that second fight. Uh, so the four months into my faith, I had, had a, a relapse of like two weeks, um, at least where I wasn't sober at all. And, uh, and then after that, um, you know, 11 months into my faith, that's when I was, praying and basically saying, God, uh, what do you want me to do with my life? And um, <laughs> I can sound like a nut again, but uh, I'm not one of those, I don't know. I, I just try to keep it real, and I'm not a, uh, I don't think a crazy kooky Christian, but at the same time, like I've had real experiences with God. And um, and I had a vision, uh, and I, that's it's kind of messed me up, too, because I didn't know God could communicate that way, but I, I think you can do anything once. Um, but I saw myself in the Congo. I, uh, I didn't know it was the Congo. I knew it was a rainforest and I was walking down this path and I was 
in this just so many like bushes and thickets and, and just everything around me. But then there was uh, the sound of drums and uh, this very distinct uh, but beautiful uh, singing that was going on. And then when I got into the village, I saw their ribs and knew that they were suffering. And, and that's what I, I felt the weight of their suffering. I knew that they were hated. Um, I knew that they were hungry and thirsty and poor. And um, I knew that the people groups around them enslaved them. That was something that really stuck out to me. And then the thing that, that messed me up the most was that they felt forgotten, forgotten by people and, and forgotten by God. And that was kind of their identity. And um, so I saw them, but I had this like rush of like emotions and thoughts and just things that I knew. Um, and I wrote it down. Uh, four days later, I told a guy, his name's Caleb Bislow, and uh, he's a missionary. And I finally got the courage to tell him. And he goes, oh, dude, that's the pygmies. <laughs> and I'm like, who? He said, that's the pygmies. And uh, he knew exactly who they were. I had never heard of the pygmies, but three and a half weeks later, I was with them in the forest, uh, and that vision came true. And the chief pulled me to the side, and this part messed me up. I started crying with them. Uh, the chief told me this because I had a piece of paper in my bag that said the forgotten on it, but the chief said, um, even nobody knows about our suffering here. Um, I heard stories of them being killed, cooked, and eaten. Oh like, literally, the surrounding people groups were cannibalizing them. Uh, anyways, he told me, nobody knows what's happening to us. The, the people groups around us call us the forest people. But we call ourselves the forgotten people. So that's kind wow. of the, the birthing place of cycling for that. Were you freaked out by the fact that this vision was sort of coming true before? Because I would imagine after you start seeing these things, you're like, okay. I mean, was it sort of a dream? Explain explain that to me, like the context yeah. again. again. And, but then also, what are you thinking? Because, I mean, it's like you're probably trying to make yeah. sense of it. Your missionary friend tells you this is what you're seeing, and then you're experiencing it. Like, just emotionally take me through all of that in context. Yeah, so I was at a I was at a prayer meeting, um, and uh, it, I was actually on a discipleship training program called the Experience with Kingdom Building Ministries. Now it's actually called Forge, and it's out of uh, Denver, Colorado. And um, basically, we were getting ready to go to Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and um, and we were at this three day thing called Stranded, which is basically like a man versus wild experience. Um, the Caleb's buddies with, uh, with Bear Drills um, goes out to Scot Scotland and goes to training stuff. And anyways, uh, Bear Drills endorsed his book called Dangerous. And I didn't know that's what we were on at all, though, uh, at all. Um, it was a surprise to all of us. We thought we were at a prayer meeting. And, and then Stranded was going to come after that, and we had no clue. Um, but uh, when... Caleb just said, basically prefaced it with, hey, go pray. And maybe praying is different, but I'm going to challenge you to pray differently than you always do. Um, and now we've put some language to it. He said, go out and listen to God. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to go pray, but I'm not going to speak. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen. Like, that's really weird. Sounds kooky. I don't want to do it. Um, but uh, he challenged us, and I, I went out and prayed, and and since then, Caleb and I both have said, like, man, bro, like, God lit me up, and it came true. Like, we got to put some language to this. And we, we came up with aloe, which, and I don't know if that's something people use or not, but it, we say ask, listen, obey, and experience. 
And basically, like, I went out and asked and said, God, like, do you have anything to say to me? And basically, I said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And most people pray and just keep talking, 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 but they never have a moment where they quiet their mind or their spirit or their heart and just open up and listen um, to see if God responds, to see if God has something to say. Um, or, or we listen, but we only listen to what we want to hear, not what God wants to say. Um, and so when I finally got around to the listening part, I heard, I saw, I had a vision. Um, then the hard part's obeying and going and doing what, what he's asking. And, uh, and then once you do that part, all three of those, I, I, I think, Caleb believes in, we've seen this in our own lives. That's why I feel confident saying it. But that's when you can experience, experience God's, um, what God has for you. You experience what, what the life God has led you to live whenever you ask, listen, and then obey. Um, and so in that moment, I was, I was basically by myself completely. Nobody was around me. I prayed, and when I had the vision, I would say that it was a lot like the visualization drills that the sports psychologist would take us through um, whenever I lived at the Olympic training center. I was a two-time national champion wrestler, and they would have us at times would wrestle hard, and right before the tournament, they would turn off the lights, um, cover our eyes, and say, hey, walk through the match, you know, um, see yourself walking onto the mat, you know, uh, see yourself shaking your hands with your opponent. Uh, the whistle, hear, hear the whistle blow. Uh, what's your first move? Um, how do you tie up with them? And, and how does he, and what, how do you defend his move? What's your go-to? And um, all this different stuff. And you see, you see the match in your head a hundred times before it ever actually happens. Maybe even a thousand times. Try to go over it over and over and over. And then you try to make that a reality. And I've had so many times in wrestling matches visualizing, and then I go out there and I do exactly what um, you visualize. And that's what a lot of top athletes in the world do. They see it in their mind, then they go make it happen. And so I would say that this is kind of what happened, but it was it happened effortlessly. Um, I, I prayed, God, what do you want me to do? And then it was like a movie in my mind. Um, where I was taken there. I was in the forest, and that forest is the same forest that I've been going to for the last over four years. And, um, and I've lived in for a year and a half or something. And, uh, and I mean, same exact forest. It looks exactly the same. I see the vision in my mind. That's the forest that I go to. Um, wow. and the people I saw in my vision, that's the people that I, 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 I love, and those, that's my kidney family. How um, did... How did- that experience, the vision and then going and hearing that they felt forgotten, how has this changed your life? What have you been doing since? And what are you hoping to encourage others to do moving forward? Well, I hope the book, especially since we're talking about faith in this article, I hope the book inspires people to love God and love people. Um, I mean, that's that's what Jesus said for for us to do, and that's the most important of the, you know, those are the two important commandments. Um, so, but but what, what I've been doing there is so the first trip, I felt like I couldn't do anything um, except listen um, and see all the suffering, but like it was really defeating, to be honest. Like, man, I went there, nothing good happened, and uh, basically nothing good happened, except for I fell in love with the people, which was, that's, I guess that's the best thing that could happen. Um, so I'm smiling now, but the best thing that could happen was I fell in love with people. Worst thing was 
I saw so much suffering that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know, I didn't know slaves still existed. That's something from our past, right? In the 1800s. But it's like, no, it's today, and it's alive, and it's real, and there's more slaves on planet Earth than ever in human history. It's an estimated 27 million on planet Earth. And kids are on my second trip. Uh, boy, my first, the first chapter, and you can go, I think the excerpt is, is free online for the first chapter, but um, a little boy named Andy Bo passed away, and, you know, I held his lifeless hand and cupped the back of his head, and the blood came out of his ears and onto my hands, and, and that little boy and his story and his family, like, they will have forever gripped my heart, and it's an unshakable burden. Like, I can't get rid of it. I can't escape it, um, and I don't want to. It's a lifelong passion and dream and, um, and, and a lifelong mission. So God gave me the vision, and then uh, when I was there, he, he, he showed me the, my mission for life. So um, basically the, the vision of Fight for the Forgotten is overcoming oppression with overwhelming opportunity. So we want to create opportunities for the Pygmy people and the people of the communities in Congo. So we have 17 people that are full-time staff for Fight for the Forgotten in Congo. We call them Shalom Trillers. They're specialist community development. We partner with a university there, do land negotiations, lobby and petition with the government, with the locals, um, and how we can buy back land in the name of the pygmies, and they'll pass it down from generation to generation. Um, then we put the water wells there on the land, and we give water wells to their oppressors. Um, and uh, we also do a farming project. And so at, to date, Fight for the Forgotten has done 2,470 acres of land legally, but hopefully we find the final documents for a full 3,000 acres um, by the end of this year. And uh, we've drilled 25 water wells wow. um, in Congo. Yeah, and... Uh, and we have a farming project, an initiative that is a food security initiative that is producing, you know, fruit from corn, corn, beans, uh, bananas, over 250 banana trees, uh, uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, peanuts, uh, passion fruits, uh, papaya trees um, that's wow. sustaining around 300, uh, over 300 people right now. Um, in three different villages, but but we need to get it up to supporting around a um, thousand to fourteen hundred people. So how often are you? Those. How often are you there? How often do you travel over there? Um, I try to travel back as often as I can, and uh, I've spent I've spent over a year and a half on the boots in the ground um, on the ground in Congo. Um, in the last four four years, um, I've spent a year and a half there. Um, and, uh, it's just sporadic trips now though, but I, I'm planning a trip back in November. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to fight. Uh, I just fought two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Uh, I did. Yes. All right. Okay. So I fought, I won. Um, that was great. Um, and I was able to speak Swahili <laughs> in the post-fight interview. Um, so my Pygmy family is going to see that when I go back. Um, and, uh, our well drillers already watched it. And uh, they were up at 3.34 in the morning, all celebrating and cheering and even crying at times. Uh, and anyways, I'm, I'm going to fight two to three times a year, and then I'll travel back. That'll be my quote-unquote vacation time. But I'm going to spend it with my family, so uh, I love that. 
I'll, I'll fight. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a voice because that was my first promise. You'll see that uh, in the chapter of Andy Pump is that uh, the chief came to me and said, F.A., which F.A.O.S.A. F.A.O.S.A. is my pygmy name, and that means the man who loves us. And he came to me and said, F.A.O.S.A., like, nobody knows about our suffering. Um, uh, we, we don't have a voice. Can you help us have one? And um, I said, yes. So that's what this book's doing. That's what... Um, Do you think that's what God wanted? Do you think that's why God gave you the vision, that this is what his mission was for you? I would say so. I would say that that uh, that a big part of it was, I would say first, more than just talking about it, because, I mean, I don't know, there's lots of quotes about, you know, we're not going to be defined about what we say or what we think, but, but by what we do. And so, yeah, I want to be a voice for them, but more than being a voice, like, I want to be family with them. I want them to know that I love them genuinely and always will. And uh, if I have kids and grandkids, they'll, they'll know them. Um, they already know my wife that uh, she her first camping trip ever was in the Congo, and she spent <laughs> three months in the forest, uh, sleeping in the twig and leaf huts, um, sleeping on the ground, uh, having roaches crawl across her neck. I pulled five roaches out of my beard in one night. Oh wow! And uh, and uh, but we live like they live because we want to know we want them to know that that, that we love them and, and that you know opens their hearts to like hearing. Um, why we love them and, and, and what we want to do and, and, and they respond to, to us really want to help them because a lot of times when people come in they treat them like a I would say a human safari they they come in they the NGO technique a lot of times is show up blow up and blow out they they come they have their big par- party their parade they take their pictures um, and then they go and they never come back and see those people ever again and their health never goes past a day or three days or three months um, and so we want we want to make sure that they know we're committed to them for life, and uh, and it goes beyond land, water, and food. Um, maybe housing, uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, but but we want them to know that God loves them, that we love them, um, and that uh, and that there's hope, and that there's people that will fight for them, and that we give them voice. My my last question for you, and we I definitely want to have you back on the show again for sure. Oh, thank you, uh, because this is just it's fascinating, and in fact, maybe on your next trip. You know, we could try to arrange something, have you on. I just think that this is an extremely important. And, you know, it's it's sad because I think so many of us, including myself, we don't know about the plight of other people. You know, and right now right. we're hearing a lot about what's going on in the Middle East. You hear about, you know, when there's something in the news cycle, you hear about it and it brings an awareness and it's easy to then forget about it. But there are certain groups you just don't really hear about. And I think this is one of them. So, you know, my last yeah. question for you, have you seen a lot of, people accept Christ, become Christians there? I mean, is that, has there been that sort of understanding of faith from your perspective over your time um, helping there? I, I would say that, that the, in the area that I go to, a lot of the, the, the pygmies have been burned, really, really, really burned. Their trust has been broken um, by... I would say fake Christians or con artists or missionaries that came there with like a translator that was just using them and, and then in turn it, it really hurt and damaged the victims. Um, I told you like the human safari, like there's so many times that Congolese quote unquote pastors will take out white or Western missionaries and 
take them out there and they take them to the same exact group of pygmies or, or, or then they know that, hey, the white person's coming, so invite, invite all the pygmies from na- neighboring areas and then the pastors will tell them, if you want the food the white people are bringing or, or, or the help the white people are bringing or the Westerners, then you'll take your clothes off and leave them in, in the huts and, and you'll look more tribal for them. When, when clothes are part of the payment from their slave masters, they get the, the hand-me-downs, 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 like all holes in them and ra- like they're basically rags, but they do have like covering. Um, but they're told for the, you know, a lot of the Christian missionaries take your clothes off or their cameras so that you look more unreached or tribal. And wow. So, so, so anyways, like there's, and, and it's embarrassing. Like I can send you photos from missionaries' websites that say they're reaching unreached and, and I knew them before they ever went there. And, uh, the people had to cover their, the, you know, teenage girls and stuff that, grew up wearing clothes all the time, the teenage boys, um, they're like covering their privates and they're embarrassed and ashamed for the Mzungu's cameras. Um, and and the old old people, they don't care because they've been topless and everything else for, you know, forever. But anyway, so I would say that that's a long, it's a, I'm prefacing it to give you the context. Like we want to go in there and be so utterly different than what they've experienced. We don't want to go there and be the religious people. We want to be the real people that really love them. And so have we seen a lot of pygmies come to Christ? I would say no, we haven't. Um, but have we seen some? Yeah, we have. And I, I don't think that that's, I don't think I can save anybody. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, that's what God does. He reserves that right for himself. Um, but I can tell you that one of the sweetest moments I've ever had in the villages was with my wife and with our translator and with who's one of my best friends and the, the pygmy chief's wife came up to us um, and then her daughter and then her mother. So there's three generations, the grandmother, the, the, uh, the mother and the daughter, um, which the daughter already had children um, and an elder from the village all came up to us to, to hear my testimony um, to hear how God loved the hell out of me, how Jesus came into my life, and they said they wanted to do the same thing. And so Emily and I, um, and, and Ben, you know, we, we held hands in a circle under under a twig and leaf hut, and, um, and and they wanted to get on their knees just like I had done, and, uh, and, and they prayed and they gave their lives to Christ. And all I know is not just them, but that entire village uh, is different. Uh, is is changing as uh, and some of the they now have a worship song they created which is uh, pika 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 na yesu pika chesa 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 na chesa or chesa na yesu chesa and dinga 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 na yesu dinga or dinga na mungu dinga which is basically a clap 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 for Jesus dance 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 before God. And uh, get low, get low, get low for Jesus. And they they do these dancing motions with it, and that's their worship song in their language um, that that they they made from from their heart. And so, uh, and, and man, it gets rowdy and crazy. And I have some recordings of it, and uh, and it, it even made me cry. Um, and I went to sleep completely sweaty from dancing all night with them, but uh, but I had a, a smile on my face. Um, my cheeks were hurting because I was smiling so much. 
I um, love it. I love so, this. I, mean, I that, think it's no, you're, set, you're setting you're just setting a great example for for so many people, and I think it's uh, it's amazing. And you know, the last thing, the very last thing, I know I said the last thing I, I asked you would be the final question, but where can people go if they want more information on how they can help you? Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty easy. It's the same title as the book. Um, it's and that's our organization, our initiative, which is uh, Fight for the Forgotten. So it's fightfortheforgotten.com, fightfortheforgotten.org. And on that website, you can see many different ways to get involved. Um, buying the book, it, it, 33% of my proceeds um, go straight to land, water, and food initiatives. Um, there's, there's actually a Kickstarter out there for a documentary um, that some people made a, a video for. Anyways, there's the book, there's the, the documentary um, that's being made, and there's also all the information about uh, fights that's gotten there and uh, our partners water for um, water the number org is, is on the website as well well listen I really appreciate you taking the time today and I'm looking forward to having you back on soon Man, thank you so much I, I would love to uh, I've heard so many good things about this site and uh, the, the faith section so well, I, appreciate I appreciate that, that. that's good that's good to hear I, I do I really appreciate that And now it's time for Billy Hallowell's Outrage of the Week. All right, look, you know, Kim Davis's Kentucky clerk courthouse drama is not the only problem hubba, going hubba, on I in say. Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> We've got another problem in Kentucky. Oh, dear. There Kentucky's is an evil, vile, horrific picture of Jesus Christ, apparently, on the wall Ooh. in a courthouse that is angering atheists. It's a picture that is not brutal, that is not vile, that is just a picture of Jesus Christ that has been up for decades and decades and decades, and suddenly it's offending people, and suddenly atheists are demanding that it be taken down. And in those demands, the county courthouse where this is in Jackson, Kentucky, has basically said, look, we'll open the wall up. You can put your artwork, you can put other representations of your faith. We want to leave this picture up. We're not really going to back down from this. Right. It's a community wall. It's a, right. it's for all of you, which I think is a fine approach to this. If, if you've got a complainer and you got someone who's angry that there's a picture of Jesus, open it up and let other people put their symbols up and so i just i don't understand how people waste their energy on this uh, i don't understand <laughs> well and yeah it's uh, hey look there's billy uh, my my son has come into he was <laughs> he was recording he was recording a special across the hall uh, my son colt is here right now colty say hi to say hi to billy on the microphone say hi to billy yeah. No, he says no. Hey, how are you? He yeah. says no. He's like, I, I see that face. I'm not saying not him. I told you. I told Bill. I told Billy that you were in love with Izzy's teacher. No. You're oh, not? that's not what I heard. He can't hear me, can he? No, he can't. <laughs> can you hear Billy? I heard. I heard that you like your sister's teacher. Do you you like think she's cute? Do you think Izzy's teacher is cute? No. You do too. Now, well, some one of the field members of that house is lying. I don't know which it is. <laughs> I'm guessing it's you, Chris. <laughs> it might be. No, it's a true story. <laughs> he told me this morning. All right. So yeah, I think that the, the atheist thing is a bunch of garbage, and I lost interest in your outrage. I've actually lost interest in my own outrage. <laughs> okay. I started thinking about KFC. I really want some KFC. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> When Billy gets distracted, it's usually by fried foods. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Let's just get out of here then. 
Any advice for the people out there? My, do your my, Zumba. My fine fried friend. Zumba. Do your Zumba. Oh, Zumba. Do you, hey, do you Zumba? I've never Zumba. Oh, I would. That, you know what? I would pay, pay big money to get a video of you Zumbaing. It's going to happen now. Yes. All right. We will, well, we'll see you next time. Uh, uh, bye bye. Are you going to say bye bye to the people, Billy? Bye. Bye. Bye, Felicia. We'll see you later. This is the dumbest show on the planet. <laughs> the Church Boys. All right, we're out. All right, I'll see you see later. You, bye.